we can be true to who we are and still belong. And I actually think, especially when we choose authenticity is when we belong, because the people who are our people, who we speak to will see us. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the podcast. You're going to love today's guest. She is such a firecracker. My goodness. Before we dive in, I just want to let you know that December 5th through the 7th, I'm hosting the next Abundance Retreat. And what makes this extra special is that if you come to this retreat, you also will get a free pass to my signature program, Abundant Ever After, that will be included and it really is incredible watching the transformation that happens at these retreats like it's unbelievable how it's almost like this like artificial intelligence is running our brains like these subconscious programs that run our minds which creates so much of what's happening in our day because it's our perception and our perception is so much of our beliefs and then how we feel and then how we feel is what we it's really what really decides what what's happening in the moment, right? And so when we sort of set down the fiction of these old paradigms of scarcity, it's amazing how we can just tune the radio to a different station and allow so much more abundance to come in that's already here. And I've just been watching these women come to these retreats and then have incredible results and incredible breakthroughs and just... It's it's really been so gorgeous. If you want to join us, you can go to kathyheller.com slash lux. You could also DM me on Instagram for more details. And if you are an alumni of any of our programs, you will be getting a special price. So definitely reach out about that because these are very intimate and they fill up fast and they're just, oh my gosh, so fun. At our next retreat, we're having a special styling session where my stylist is going to come and she's going to pull some wardrobe from Bloomingdale's and other cool stores. And my photographer is going to be here to take some pics of you guys in some really cool pieces in addition to all the other amazing things that we do. And we'll be going through this sort of money rewiring and you will leave the retreat with your next, like, what is the thing that you are going to allow to come in? And you'll have a really clear set of steps and, and really, and you'll have a lot of clarity around how are you raising your price? How are you getting paid to be you? What's the package? What's the pricing? How are you rolling it out? There'll be a clear action plan and you're going to feel so lit up and you're going to just feel so fully abundant. You just won't believe it until you experience it. And if you don't want to come to the retreat, but you just want to join Abundant Ever After, which is included in the retreat, but if you just want to join that program, you can check that out at kathyheller.com slash join. But if you want to come to the retreat and you get the program included, go to kathyheller.com slash lux. All right. Well, I'm so happy because Lovey Ajayi Jones is joining us today. She's a three-time New York Times bestselling author, sought-after speaker, podcast host, writer, self-proclaimed professional troublemaker, and part of Oprah's Super Soul 100. She's been blogging for almost 20 years, and you might be familiar with her popular blog, Awesomely Lovey, where she talks about anything and everything on her mind, from pop culture to TV show recaps. She also talks about race, she talks about travel. It is truly Lovey being her authentic self, fully unleashed, it's no surprise that it has hundreds of thousands of readers. You might have also read one of her best-selling books like I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual, Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual, Raising Troublemaker, A Fear Fighter Manual for Teens. And she has a new children's book that'll be out in May 2023. It's called 
Little Troublemaker Makes a Mess. And it's adorable, so go pre-order your copy. Little Troublemaker is a very funny and very sweet story about little lovey, a troublemaker with a big heart and the best of intentions. And she's about to learn that sometimes rules are meant to be broken. It's really so cool to see how much she lights up from this book. And you're going to hear about her other really cool plans that she has in mind for this character. I hope it opens up your eyes to all the possibilities that you also can create with everything that you have in store. You should also listen to her podcast, Professional Troublemaker, where she has conversations with world movers and shakers who've gotten where they are through their tenacity, truth-telling, and good trouble. She's had amazing guests on her show like Gabrielle Union, Glennon Doyle, Sarah Jakes Roberts, so definitely check that out. Lovey has such a loving heart, and she's so unapologetically herself, and it's just really inspiring to see someone speak their truth without holding back, even if it's not the easiest thing to do. She has some major mic drops to share with you, so buckle up. Without further ado, please welcome the extraordinary Lovey Ajayi-Jones. Lovey, thank you so much. We've wanted to have you on the show for a while, and I'm so happy that it all lined up today. Glad I can make it. You have such a fireworks show that comes through you at every second. You were just blessed with such an incredible capacity for energy, and it's in, it's amazing how that gives medicine to other people. So I'm so excited that we get to bottle some of that today. We're going to get into all of the most recent, explosive, beautiful things you've been churning, but I I want the listeners to get a little bit of a piece of your background so they have context like in your own personal rite of passage. So will you take us back a little bit and tell us a little bit about how you came into this work and where you were before it and what put you on the path to knowing that this was your calling? Yes. So my journey to being a writer and a speaker, it feels almost accidental because none of it was planned. It was not a strategic thing. I frankly was supposed to be a doctor growing up. Right. That was the dream. And when I got a D in chemistry, my freshman year of college, that dream ended (laughs) very quickly. Okay. Chemistry is where dreams go to die. But I started blogging that year and that was 2003, 19 years ago. I didn't realize that my words were how I was going to be impacting the world. So I fell in love with blogging. When I graduated from college in 2006, I deleted that blog and started what is now and still exists, awesomelyloveyou.com. Talking about the world as I see it, shenanigans, TV, race, politics, a lot of shenanigans. You know, one day you might go on that site and see a post on how like pink Starburst is the best and yellow is what you give to the person you don't really like who asked for some. Of course. Right. I'm so glad you came on here to tell us yes, that. Yes, yes, that's important. <laughs> I am Pink Starburst Gang. And uh the post <laughs> after that could be about, you know, the stages of injustice against black people. The post after that could be a Game of Thrones recap or scandal recap. So people would come on that site and stay for other things. And my professional background in the work that I was doing full time was in marketing communication laid off that job in 2010 and universe kind of making me focus on this thing that I was not going to focus on otherwise. Because for me, writing was not a career. It was not a job. It was not something that felt sustainable. Writing felt like a hobby. It was this cute thing that I was doing, but I didn't really lean into it or believe it was anything major for me. Because again, how do you make money as a writer? Unless you're like a novelist. So the gift of all of that was the years that I was blogging, especially in college and a little bit after I was writing as if nobody was reading. I was writing without pretense, without strategy. I was telling the truth out loud in public over and over again and getting that practice, not realizing that it was me really stepping into what is my purpose, which is ultimately to use words to make people laugh, to make them think critically, to compel them to take action that will leave this world better than they found it. That's the cliff notes. I am the failed doctor who became a writer and who just did it even without any sort of plan. And it worked out really well. Isn't it amazing when we let go of the predictable, how Mm. we are so surprised by the mystery of all that is in this infinite possibility. And that takes tremendous courage because most people are not oriented to that. We're oriented to certainty. We're oriented to trying to figure it out. And here you were. I love that you just described the way in which you would just allow yourself to authentically post whatever felt 
like something you wanted to share. And yeah. whether it was Game of Thrones or Injustice or Starburst, it came from your authenticity. And that yeah. is like watching wildflowers grow. It's so mm. beautiful. And I feel like everyone listening needs to hear that because somehow we all still believe in this lie that if I take certain steps, that's the only way possible that right. God's going to open doors for me. And it's that you came along, you gave yourself permission, you told yourself, wheels up, let's go. And there you went. And the fact that you have the humility to even remember to tell that part of the story is so important for other people listening because people do feel so, so insignificant. They don't feel like there's anything possible and they feel like there's so much in the way between where they are and where they want to be. And to hear that it can start just like that, as simple as that is powerful. So and I think, and I think sometimes we get stuck in the idea of coming up with five-year plans, 10-year plans. I think for me, my journey has been really special because I didn't have the plan. I had dreams that I had zero clue how it would get there and how, what path I would take. I didn't have a map. My career didn't exist 20 years ago. You know, the life I live today did not exist as a choice for me back then. And that's why I always say, like, I'm not smart... I can't give myself the credit of coming up <laughs> with the plan. It was like the universe. God was like, yeah. I got it. Just keep listening to me keep listening to what feels right. Yeah. And I'll get you into the right places. So I'm always hoping people understand that when you see somebody like me who will talk about how the dream just worked out, it wasn't because I came up with a grand plan, right? The best thing I was able to do that I still do to this day is I do what feels compelling for me. Mm. I do what feels true. And honestly, I'm open to what God has for me. And that has worked me to this point. So it's what led to, yeah, my first book, I'm Judging the Do Better Manual in 2016, Hitting the Times List. It's what led to my second book. I'm always like, my plan is to just do what feels right, right then. Today. Yes. Yes. When and I what do I, that over and over again. What I want to say about you, if I may be so bold, is that the thing that is so obvious from the second anybody is in your presence is palpable energy. Mm. There's so much energy. And that to me feels like presence. Mm. That to me feels like alignment. Mm. And when we're in presence, we have all our energy. We're not waiting for it to come from somewhere else. And mm. when we're in presence, that's when we say, God, what would you have me do? What would you have me say? Right. Mm. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, I, I said this the other day. I can't believe it came out of my mouth because most of the things I do, I quote other people who've said so many wise things. But the other day I had this thought, which was maybe being in the right place in the right time is being in this present moment, because that's where you can meet God right in this now. But we're always so focused on trying to plan yeah. it or trying to control it. But like your energy is compelling. So because you're present in your energy, it's undeniable that doors are going to open because people want that. They want to be around wholeness. They want to be around something that feels really alive, that it's not waiting. It's not lacking. It's not, it's like, I am fully in this moment. Let's go. It's just like undeniable. So I just want to, I want to compliment that alignment because everybody has a way to that in themselves. And so thank you for modeling that. I received that. I received that. Yes. So let's fast forward and we're going to go back into, we'll probably touch on a bunch of the books and the three books and and other things, but I really, since you're wearing the t-shirt and since it's so important and it's very, very much what you're, what you're currently in, I kind of want to start there. So tell everybody before we even go into all the things, what does it mean to you to be a professional troublemaker? Yes. So To be a professional troublemaker is to be somebody who feels deeply convicted about the rooms that they are in, what role they play and how they're elevating it. You know, I think about the late, great John Lewis, who said, let's always be ready, make necessary good trouble. I just stepped it up a little bit extra with professional trouble. (laughs) And, you know, to be one is to know that we live in a deeply unjust world. So to make professional trouble, to be a professional troublemaker is to be somebody who's going against that status quo who's like what can i do not 
in the big moments, but in the everyday small moments that can move something forward, that can honor who I say I am, that can honor somebody else. You know, so professional troublemakers are the people who are challenging your uncle who makes a bad joke at the dinner table. They're the people who challenge coworkers if a campaign idea is not as thoughtful. They're the friend who says, let's have a tough conversation because we haven't been seeing eye to eye. You know, they're the people who want to say and do the hard things, knowing it's necessary, knowing it's difficult, knowing that it's going to be full of anxiety and doubt and fear, but saying, I'm going to have to do it anyway, because to make trouble, to make the good professional trouble is to be somebody who speaks the truth, who, who represents integrity. And I think that's ultimately what it means. It's not that they're being trolls. They're not being haters. They're not being contrarians. They're not making a room uncomfortable simply because they want to hear their voice being spoken. They're like, if I'm there, what happens? I at least have to be proud of my part in it. It's so beautiful. I have a friend, Mark Rose. I don't know if you know Mark, but he says (laughs) all day long, we're being confronted with two choices, belonging or authenticity. He says, says, most of the time people choose belonging, but then he says, so the next part, he says, it's so cool. He says, but then if you choose belonging by being inauthentic, who do you belong to? No one. Cause you don't even belong to yourself anymore. Come on. I fully believe that. I fully believe that. And I think because we live in a world that prioritizes harmony over justice, we will choose the belonging, right? We, but here's the thing is, we think harmony is a room that doesn't have conflict right, or disagreements. Right. And I think harmony is a room that has truth and it still, you know, it still goes because a room without truth is not harmonious. It is just simply quiet. It is just simply agreeable and agreeable does not mean harmonious. So, but what happens when we choose authenticity and we still belong? And I think we can oh, be, so good. we can choose authenticity. We can be true to who we are and still belong. And I actually think, especially when we choose authenticity is when we belong because the people who are our people, who we speak to will see us. We will attract the right people and yeah. repel the people who are not ours. Right. I think we try to belong to people who are not ours. And that's the problem. We try to belong to folks who are not supposed to be on journeys with us. We try to belong in rooms that don't really need our strength in that way. What happens when you are in the room where you are truly yourself and you belong, that is the harmony that actually really we need to be going after. Because I think I belong in so many rooms. I belong to so many people. I have so many people who I consider my villages, my anchors, my charging stations, because I am truly myself. So they receive me in all my authenticity and all my fullness And in those rooms, I am most comfortable. That's when I'm actually like, yes, my authenticity is actually freeing. It's not something that's holding me down. That is so important. I think people should repeat, rewind that. Honestly, I think you should listen to what I said and rewind that and listen to that again, because there's a lot of truth in there. That's there's such rare oxygen in what you just said. And I think Mm. you're right. We don't see disagreement as a possibility to exist in anything that feels like harmony. And the truth is people then just keep playing in these extremes rather than being like, "Correct, I'm in this room and this is my integrity. This is my authentic truth. So what I'm going to do is bring it to the table, even if that's uncomfortable. And that's going to create love because love is not that you have to be me but that we are willing to listen and make room for each other's voices. That's how we're going to move forward. And that you're right. There's like such a a allergic reaction to anything that feels like confrontation. So then what do we do? Well, we're not going to move forward that way. I mean, I think conflict is a growth opportunity, not a bad thing. I actually welcome conflicts because at the other side of it, you have understanding. Even if you both still disagree, you have understanding of who this person is even more, right? So true. Good or bad, so good or true. bad. And I think thinking about the discomfort in the room, everything is temporary. Everything is temporary, including discomfort. Yeah. And I think love looks like the courage to be able to tell you the truth. 
I think that's actually an act of love to say, I'm going to ask you this question because I'm looking out for you because I want to make sure I've thought about your blind spots in ways you haven't. I want to make sure that if we walk out this room, the ideas that we presented, we can both be proud of. I think that's a form of love, which is why I want us to reimagine the idea of what love, harmony, kindness is. I think when they're not based in truth, they're hollow. I think that's when the room lacks gravity. And that's also hard to experience, right? A room where you can't trust everybody around you with the truth. Oh my God. Is a tough room for me. I can't operate well in a room where I can't trust that room. Like where I'm like, I don't know if everybody here is going to actually speak the truth in the way that they should, or I don't know if somebody's going to be passive aggressive. So then I can't show up as myself. Nobody wins in a room where everybody can't be trusted. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so good. Especially now in the world we live in where people have social media accounts and people can say really provocative things. And yet to me, it's like, well, I love that it's out there now because it creates the conversation. And I'm like, well, at least I know where that person stands. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's toxic. That scares the hell out of me. But look at now all these conversations versus going to Thanksgiving dinner and everyone's a liar. Everyone's just sitting there. No one's telling the truth. That part, (laughs) that part, like, you know, there've been many times when we've all walked out of rooms and you feel on your body, something happened that did not feel right with you. Oh yeah. And you walk out feeling uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and you think about it for days after you thinking, I should have said something. I wish I said something. You'll be in the shower being like, shoot, I really should have said something because it's sitting in your spirit. And that's the conviction you're getting. One of the questions that I ask myself in rooms when I want to speak up and it's really hard and I'm like, I don't know, is will my silence convict me? Will my silence convict me? If I have to walk out that room and I'm like, I left my responsibility behind. I left my power behind. I did not wield my voice in the way I should have. I walk away feeling heavy because I did not do my part. So will my silence convict me is a question I ask myself, because if the answer is yes, then it really pushes me to say it. Because if my answer is yes, and I still don't say it, I'm going to walk out holding that on me as opposed to leaving it in the room. That is so incredibly powerful. Will my silence convict me? And we've all experienced that. I, I think I put my hands on my mouth like that because I grew up with a father who's an alcoholic and abusive. Mm. And so- I trained myself to know how to pretzel myself into so many positions to keep Mm -hmm. everything safe. And I'm not alone. So many people have had these stories. And now though, we get to say to that little kid inside of us, I'm coming to get you. It's that's done. We're going to tell the truth here. And even if this other person has an experience with your truth, we're going to let them have their experience. Like you can have Correct. it. Because I don't here's the thing that. Yeah, you, we don't. And here's the thing is the truth, your truth is not necessarily everybody else's truth, which is fine. So all of this is an understanding that your truth still matters, even if it is not somebody else's. Yeah. Right. And I think oftentimes what happens is we're afraid of what if we don't say the right thing or. Yeah. What if we don't get it right? Or what if we get rejected or what? And those are all valid fears to have. They're not going to stop. Right. But I think we have to just push ourselves past those moments and say, yeah, I might not get it right. I might not say it in the right way, but I have to say it anyway. And I think the vulnerability of even saying that starting whatever you're about to say with, listen, I know I might not get this right, but I feel compelled to say this. And I hope you hear it in the heart or intention that I meant. Yeah. And then you say the thing, even your vulnerability can even show up in saying, I'm not perfect. Yeah. I'm not going to say this correct in the way you think you need to hear it, but I hope you give me the grace. It is basically you asking for the grace in advance of, because in all of this whole life journey and this troublemaking, this authenticity thing, as you're telling the truth, you also have to tell your own truth of how you're feeling in those moments. Yeah. The fact that you're not sure about how this is going to land, the fact that you hope 
it is heard. The fact that it might make the room uncomfortable. I think those also belong in what you're saying and how you're showing up your own vulnerability in that way. Yeah. Well, it takes a lot of, you know, unhooking from codependency essentially and, Mm. and allowing other people to just have whatever experience they have and not trying to control it, not trying to be liked. And so for so many people who are listening, when they read your books and when they listen to your words, if they feel like they're literally terrified to not be liked, or they're literally terrified Mm. to put whatever they say out in the world because they feel like people are going to exit their Mm. life. What more can you say to them so that they could feel courageous enough to still live in authenticity? Yeah. So here's the thing. We were not born to people, please. We were born to pursue purpose, right? Our lives, the breaths that we take in every single day are not made more valid or less valid about whether somebody likes us or loves us. We are wired for belonging. We're wired for community. So not being liked is an innate fear Mm -hmm. because community is how we get through the world. But here's the thing is everybody you come across is not meant to be in your community, whatever that community is, is not everybody you meet and know and you speak to is not meant to be your people. The fear of not being liked is definitely natural. But here's the thing is, humans are fickle. So it is a futile mission to go on a journey to be liked by everybody. It is not possible. We are also hardwired to repel and attract based on values, energy, aura, thoughts, opinions, which means naturally, if you are somebody who wants to make any type of impact, you will automatically repel people who feel opposite to you. That's okay. Because to be somebody who's liked by everybody is to be somebody who actually makes no memorable difference to anybody. That's true. If everybody's like, oh my God, I like her. Everybody likes you. It means you've said nothing that is of note. It means you have picked no sides in anything. It means your values aren't strong. Because if your values are strong, you would naturally repel people who have opposite values. So I think it is actually our jobs to form ourselves, who we are fully, because that's when you're able to harness the power of the people who are just like you, who love you, who your very presence makes their spirit calmer or energizes them or just gives them hope. I think we owe it to ourselves to double down on who we are so we can find those people, so we can build lives with these people, friendships, relationships you know, work relationships with these people. And then for everybody else, we respectfully let them have distance. I just think we spend a lot of time chasing those who are not our people, as opposed to really deepening our connections with those who are. I would rather spend a lot of time with five amazing people who speak to my spirit than trying to win over 20 people who don't. It's a futile mission. It's so good what you just said. And if you look at like nature, it's like not every climate has the same foliage. You know, it's like there's parts of the world that are just going to come together with different, you know, the Arctic is going to have different animal friends and different. It's like we don't have to be in everybody's crew. Like we can just be with the people where we're, we're supposed to belong to. It's so beautiful. And then double down on like, it's your life. You know, today is Thursday. So what day gets to be yours finally? If mm-hmm. you're living all day to please every single, when, when does it get to be your Thursday? When is it yours? And yeah. you know, like with this breath that we have, it's a gift. Yeah. So I don't want to spend this breath trying to convince somebody that I'm worthy of their energy or power or love. I think the people who see me, see me. And I think that's enough. I want to give you space to tell your truth, which you are doing right now. But when it comes to the things that you go to sleep at night, you put your head on that pillow at night and the things that you're like, I just, I know that part of my work is not only giving people courage to tell the truth, but this is my truth. What are some of those things that you've been saying that you've been making waves about that you feel like you came to the world to share? Mm. 
The one thing I can say I'm fortunate for is that I go to sleep every day without regrets. Big. And then I wake up in the morning, I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I like her. She's cool. She's doing what she can. And I think that's because I've led my life in a way that even when I don't have plans, I still know that I'm true to me, that the work that I'm doing is honoring my purpose, that I am at least a decent friend. You know, it's also because I'm constantly trying to figure out ways in which I can be better. So I go to sleep trying to figure out ways I can be better. I might replay some conversations back and I'll go, hmm, the next time I have the opportunity, I might do that a little bit different, but I don't beat myself up for those moments either. Cause I'm like, all right, I'll get a chance to do it better. And if I'm like, hmm, you should apologize for that. I go, okay, I should apologize for that. And I do it, you know, knowing and giving myself grace is probably the best gift that I give myself when I go to sleep. Cause none of us are supposed to be perfect. We are our own harshest critics. And in a world that's constantly beating us up, especially if you are any margins, the last thing you need is to beat yourself up Yeah. also. So if anybody's hearing this, who's like, I haven't been brave or I haven't done the thing that felt true. This isn't a moment to beat yourself up. It's a moment to recognize and say, okay, I can do better tomorrow then. I actually went to sleep last night, listening to a meditation, which I often do. I was mm-hmm. listening to a Joe Dispenza meditation last night. It was like his evening meditation. And he literally says in there, if tomorrow you get another at bat, how would you do it differently? Mm. Let's mentally rehearse how you would do tomorrow differently than today. Mm. And I thought that was so powerful. And yeah. you were just saying like, you're intuitively doing that, like looking back, reflecting with, with grace for yourself. Because yeah. you do get another shot when you open your eyes the next day and you can yeah. mentally rehearse who it is that you really want to come to this world and be. What a powerful thing. And here's a tech hack for that too. There's sometimes when I'm going to sleep and I start realizing, shoot, I didn't text this person back. Ah, I didn't reply to this email. And there are sometimes when I'll actually grab my phone, which is, I know it goes against all sorts of productivity hacks, but if there's something that's sitting on my spirit to say, I'll write that text and I'll schedule it to send in the morning. I'll write that email and schedule it to send in the morning. So I'll wake up knowing that I've already said this thing that needed to be said. Yeah. Like take it off your body. So if you're, I know typically they're like, don't, don't have your phone in the room. Okay. Maybe step out the room. But if it's sitting on your chest, if it's sitting on your heart, as you're about to go to sleep, maybe just put it on paper so you can just release it and go to sleep and come back in the morning, fresh, clear. I love that. And I just love even that you check in what's sitting on my spirit that I need to say, ah, what an amazing practice that would be if everyone listening right now, just make a few journal entries of what's sitting on your spirit that you need to say, whether or not you then have the courage to say it or not today, right? If you just even acknowledge it, just get it out on paper. Oh my gosh. So you then went on not only to write professional troublemaker, but you have this this version of it for younger folks. And I thought yes. that was incredibly powerful yeah. because to to even believe in the possibility that you could connect with the higher self of somebody who's in their teen years. Yeah. Amen to that, right? Like that's the time. So what did you want Rising Troublemaker to leave readers with? What were you hoping that would be different for them than the the first book? So I wrote Professional Troublemaker and a lot of parents reached out to me Mm. to be like, oh my God, me at my big age read this book and it just transformed the way I think about different things. And I wish I would have read some of this when I was younger. Some parents were like, I'm sharing it with my teenager because she needs to hear this message just as much as I do. And I'm like, oh, and they're like, man, I wish I could just have one for them. And a lot of parents actually end up buying professional troublemaker for their teens, but I wanted to write a uh, rising troublemaker. So it can actually speak directly to them. I took myself back to who I was at 15 and 16 and thought about what I needed to hear that had I heard it back then would have made my journey easier. Even the idea that I can be too much 
have permission to be too much. That the thing that somebody might say I am too much of is truly my superpower. Yeah. Right. As opposed to something that I'm trying to hide and twist and turn. Right. I think about how sometimes people will grow up and we start looking for who we were. And I'm like, but what happens when we never just left that person behind? Who gave us permission to embody all the magic that we are, all the dreams that we might have that might feel big and not even attached to anything? Who told us, yes, I want you to actually do that. So I wrote Rising Troublemaker for the me at 15 and 16 and 17, who had she heard these messages that you are supposed to speak the truth that your voice matters, that you should build a squad and find your helpers without any problem. How I would have held on to that. So yeah, I wrote this book for teens and the feedback that I've been getting. I had a, somebody on LinkedIn post about how their son, who's 14, Javion, now said this is his favorite book he's ever read. Mm. And he wrote me a letter that was just so affirming to my spirit. He talked about how this book made him feel like he was not too different. Mm. And him and I have become pen pals Uh, because he's written me these beautiful notes saying, thank you so much for your work. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm hoping a kid somewhere with a name that sounds strange that people use and and add burden to reads my name, Lovey Jai Jones and goes, okay, I can ask somebody to say my name better. I can always correct the way I am spoken to. You know, I'm hoping a young kid who reads my book, watches my TED talk, something comes across my work, feels affirmed by my presence, knows that somebody else is out there who at one point felt too different, but used that thing that made them feel too different to serve the world. So beautiful and so generous that you then continued that conversation with him. That's really, really beautiful. Yeah. I know that you were born in Nigeria and you grew up in Chicago. And I'm curious yeah. if you can enlighten us. What is the strongest aspect, let's say, of having that history yeah. that you feel we could benefit from? What is it about being originally from Nigeria, from having parents who come from that? Like what? does that leave inside of you that you feel is a really beautiful, strong way in which you see the world Yeah, that we could all grow from and benefit from? Yeah. Being Nigerian, one of the biggest pieces, our culture is very collectivist and American culture is very individualistic. So in growing up in Nigeria, I watched how, the people I was around really exhibited kindness and generosity. There were moments where I remember somebody came to visit us and they, they complimented my grandmother's shirt. She excused herself, went and changed and handed this shirt to the person who complimented her. The ring that I wear on my right hand is a gold filigree ring that one day I saw my grandmother wearing and I was like, Oh my God, I love your ring. It's so nice. She took it off her hands and gave it to me. And I wear this ring every day as a reminder of how life is not just about me. My life is not just about how I'm able to live. How is my neighbor living? How is the person who does not have access to that room going to get in that room? In what ways am I using my power for the greater good of somebody who does not have as much? That much I really do attribute to my Nigerian background. Uh, the way my mom raised me. Again, like I remember a kid came to our house. I, I talked about this in my first book. A kid came to our house and I had this doll that I loved. It was like this really life, lifelike doll. And it was my favorite toy ever, even though I had all these different toys. And this little girl came, visited with her mom. And I didn't let her play with my doll. And I was like, no, this is mine, my jam. And she really loved it. When they were about to leave, my mom gave her my doll. My mom gave her my doll. And I sobbed. I was like so upset and my mom sat me down and was like, you have so many different toys. You get new ones all the time. That girl does not have as much as you. They don't have as much money as us. You should let her have it because for her, it means the world. You will get another one. 
And it really, really taught me. It was like a visceral lesson that got modeled to me over and over again about, yeah, when I have an abundance and somebody doesn't have enough, my job is to give some of my abundance to that person. So that's been a big piece of my upbringing. And I think it's such a gift that I'm hoping I also walk with. So I actually wrote, so since I have professional troublemaker and I have rising troublemaker for teens, I've written little troublemaker for the babies. And I infuse that piece into that character. It's a little lovey character and she means well and she will always Mm -hmm. give what she has, whether it's energy and time, because it is very much a part of who I am and how I've been. It's embedded in my DNA. I have no other choice but to be somebody who gives as much as she gets because I know that's my responsibility. That's such a beautiful story. And it also goes to show that you could be a little girl with dolls and practice generosity. Like Mm -hmm. people sometimes think one day, if I make X amount of money, I will be generous. It's like, what right now do you have to give? Is it time? Yes. Is it love? Is it setting someone up on a date with this guy? You think you have it now. Like you need to wait because you had that moment and your mom gave you that moment by giving you sense. You said purpose, right? She allowed you to be part of something that gave you a bigger payoff than playing with that doll, which is we're giving her this and together you're a part Mm -hmm. of doing Mm -hmm. something for her. That's significant. So you just found significance. Can you find significance playing with your doll? No. Can you find significance in giving this doll? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's no wonder that left an impression. Cause also, you know, when we're young, we absorb things on a deeper level like that. Our brain waves are just more like sponges. Mm -hmm. So what is on the horizon for you? Like as you're looking into the future of dreaming and dreams come through you, what I'm just so curious, like, what are you dreaming of? Are you dreaming of journeying around the world? Are you dreaming of speaking on more stages? Are you dreaming of your own meditation practices? Like what's in your dreams? Yes. So I don't have the five-year or 10-year plan, but I just have the random dreams that I want. So my first picture book, Little Troublemaker Makes a Mess is coming out May 2nd, 2023. My dream for that is not only that it's read by millions of kids around the world, I want to see it in different languages, but I also want to see it turn into an actual cartoon show. That's how I saw it. As soon as you said it, it was so obvious. Like, that's what it is. I can see the character. I can see the doll she's holding the whole thing. She's awesome. I already love her. Yes. Like, I, I'm, and I'm going to show you the cover. You'll be one of the first people seeing this cover. I'm so lucky. But um, I definitely want to have her be a cartoon that people get to watch. This little girl who is so good-hearted, big-hearted, gold-hearted, who is self-assured, is funny, but she doesn't always get it right. She doesn't always get the execution right. Oftentimes her execution is trash, but she always learns her lessons. She grows and she always learns that her mistakes don't make her unlovable. That even when she doesn't get it right, she's still worthy of love and grace and as long as she's learning and being better, she's doing the right thing. So I want to see this girl with her short hair. She literally looks like just like me because that's what I look like at four or five. I actually embodied this much. People will think little lovey is like adult me put in cartoon, but adult me is actually just little lovey, taller. So I'm excited. I want to see it turn to a cartoon. I want to see kids laughing along with her and being like, "Uh oh, along with her and saying, yikes, why'd she do that? So that's a big piece of my dream right now. And then the other dream that I have, I find it so important that everybody else's stories gets out. You know, one of the things that I've been able to do in this last six years as an author, as a published author, I've learned this industry, this industry that often keeps people out And I think it's really important that more of us, especially when we're on margins, get our stories out. So I'm going to be teaching a book publishing course 
that whether you self-publish or get a traditional publishing deal, how do you write and create stories and books and words that make impact and look good while they're doing it? So that's something that's actually happening in the next six months. It's not just a random dream. I'm working on it right now. And then a third dream, you know, it's not even really much of a dream and, and more of like a life goal. Just building a life of ease and peace, continuing to build a life that feels peaceful and good with way more ease and flow. I love yeah. all of that. When you were describing the book before you told me about that dream, I literally thought to myself, that's a show, right? She's going to mention it's a show. I think I've already seen it. And then, nope. It's just so obvious that it will be that I'm like, Amen. I'm like, didn't I see it? The exact thing as you described it. You, wow. Because here's what it is your energy, your energy signature. It puts it out here for me. I got it before mm. you even said it. I was like, done. That's so done. I can't wait to see if it's going to be Disney or Hulu. Or, but no, I love that. I love it too. I'm so in. I'm like, that's done. That one's done. They're all done. You know, they're all done. And the last dream is so important and so beautiful because the truth is that our egos, we all have, right? We have this consciousness and we have this part of us that's like, you know, whatever that part is, that's like the anti-self. It's It thinks it needs to be busy all the time. And the truth is right. that when we give ourselves ease, oh, that is when usually we get the download. That is usually when we we stop trying to control it. And like the most amazing life-giving moments come where we can just have lightness of being, just be in the moment, yes. just being witness to the moment. And it's just like everything we need is in that moment. So yes. I'm so happy that you shared all that for you, yes. but also for everybody else. And so by the way, people can pre-order Little Troublemaker makes a mess now, starting now. Where do they go to find it? You can find it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes Amazing. and Nobles, Target. So like my hope is that y'all support my dream of getting this book in the hands of millions Good. of kids around the world. But yeah, I'm excited. And I love the class because yes, for everything you've ever executed, there's a line of people who want to know how you did that. Mm -hmm. And so those people, if you're listening... This is such a big golden opportunity for them to learn with you from you how to yeah. tell their story. And it is so important, right? Because when people tell their story, even if they're the most different person from you, yes, there's like no one you don't love after hearing their story. You're yeah. just like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful to have heard your story. And it's because we just don't know enough of the stories and we need to know them. You know, Absolutely. we need to know these stories. And so, and the fact that you're going to help people to understand the steps of how to go about it. Yeah. That's so cool. How can they find out more about that class? Yes. They can sign up for my newsletter, loveletter.com, L-U-V-V letter, loveletter.com. I'm actually going to be releasing it in Q1 of 2023. And yeah, I think, listen, we need more books out there. Yeah. Stories are the great equalizer, whether they're fiction, whether they're nonfiction, yeah. your expertise, whether you're making people laugh. We need more people to write books yeah. who are not just white men. Right. Yeah. So, all <laughs> right. Concept. They, okay. What a concept. What does it look like for everybody else to get their voice out there? So that's what I'm passionate about. And I'm really excited about it because I've been thinking about it for a few years. I'm finally, you know, that whole like how I move is when I'm convicted for it. Yeah. And I feel like I've been convicted. God is like, ma'am, you should do this now. And I'm like, all right, I hear you. I was just taking a walk this morning and I was thinking about, I posted this yesterday on my Instagram. This is a picture of my grandparents. Ooh. And I posted it and it's amazing because, you know, I'm Jewish and my grandparents went through all kinds of hell. And it's one thing mm. when you hear statistics or you hear about the Holocaust or millions of people in gas chambers, but we don't really connect to numbers and stories, right? Mm. That's not really how we connect to a story is like numbers. You're like, you can't even conceive of it. And it was amazing because yesterday I just felt this need just to be like, these are the two people who taught me most about compassion, right. even though they experienced the greatest horrors that I could never. And I posted a photo of them. And it's the photo and people wrote, gosh, they were so beautiful. I can't, you know, it's like, yeah, when you see someone's face 
And then, you know, like that girl who was 16, she, she experienced that you feel it differently. And it's like, I was worried. I'm like, I'm going to post this thing and there's going to be some hateful comments, but I'm not going to turn off the comments. There wasn't a single hateful comment because it's a person. It's a person with a story. It's not a number. It's not a thing. It's one. That is it. Like we each yeah. telling our stories that moves the needle so far. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm, Statistics I'm, don't hit stories. Do stories hit to the heart. Exactly. So anyways, I love that you not only tell your story, but that you use every ounce of energy God gives you to help other people to come forward and have the and I'll show you here's the cover oh my god it's just so cute right I can't even stand it (laughs) yeah no she's she makes me laugh and I love that she has short hair I love that she's exactly like you because it's just the best you also have been recording you were recording a podcast where do you want to send people to? We've got your newsletter. We're going to put it in the show notes. Tell everybody basically where they can be hanging out with you, where they can follow yeah. along so they yeah. can be a part of the journey. Oh, man. I invite people to follow me on social media. I am at Lovey, L-U-V-V-I-E on all platforms, one word. And it's really there that I tell stories. I, I drop whatever I'm about to talk about. You know, if you guys want to follow me, I'll definitely also make sure you are in the know. Like if you sign up for my newsletter, especially you'll find out all these things that I'm working on because oftentimes I'll limit things so I can be able to serve folks in a real tangible way. But yeah, my social platforms, I have a good time. I share my, my days, what I'm up to, what I'm thinking about, what I'm reflecting on. And sometimes we just talk about shenanigans like, one of my superpowers is making a really good cup of tea, you know? So the other day I asked my audience, like, what's yours? And people gave me theirs and I was cracking up, but yeah, social media at lovey Instagram, especially is where I hang out, but I'm everywhere. TikTok. I just joined TikTok. I said, I'm part of auntie TikTok because I'm not doing the dances. <laughs> I'm not doing any of the dances. I'm part of auntie TikTok. I'm looking up recipes. I'm following the perfume girlies, <laughs> you know, that's my version of TikTok. I'm like, <laughs> You're so lovable. I'm sure that's why you have the perfect name because you really are. I love that you're so alive that all the multifaceted, beautiful parts of the diamond, which is your soul, they shine equally. You know, it's like, this is where I'm super silly. This is where I get super conviction, you know, oriented. It's like, it's all welcome at the table. And if we can be that way, it's such a pleasure, right? Because then people love you even more. It's like you play all the notes. You don't have to only be known for this part of you. You can be taken that just part. seriously and also that, love pink Starburst. That makes that you part, relatable. That part. I'm trying to tell you, like all parts of ourselves are welcome. I've never left out one because I wanted to build a brand. Even when I was writing my blog and people were like, what niche are you in? And I was like, I don't have a niche. What is that? I talk about whatever <laughs> I feel like, whenever I feel like. So one day I might be talking about, you might come on my Instagram and I'm giving a, a great business lesson. One day, the next day I might be doing a random carousel of House of the Dragons because I'm obsessed with that show. <laughs> the day after that, I might be talking about how like one day I want to have a blazer collection. That's one of my dreams because I have like a massive collection of blazers. So I want to actually have like a collaboration one day. And I posted a reel yesterday about it. And I'm like, I'm just here waiting on my blazer collection. I'm going to have one day. I can't. Okay. That I'm claiming in advance. I love it. Um, so yeah, that t-shirt, the t-shirt <laughs> that I'm wearing, the hat that I'm wearing is part of my merch store. So I'm launching a merch. So I'm always doing a bunch of things. I want to always explore all the different things that I'm interested in that are deeply compelling to me, whether silly or serious. It's so good for the soul. That's all I got to say. I'm so glad we met. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I I don't take it for granted when people want me to share space with them, when they're sharing their people with me, it's a big, it's a big affirmation. So thank you so much for seeing me, for supporting my voice and my work in this way. And I really appreciate you deeply. Thank you so much. We're putting notes, show notes, links to all the things and we'll, we'll keep following along. Thank you. Yes, indeed. God bless. 
Oh my gosh, Levy is incredible. I had so much fun talking with her. Here are the takeaways. Number one, keep listening to what feels good and the universe will get you into the right places. You don't need a grand plan. Just do what feels compelling for you, what feels true, what feels right for you today. Number two, being a professional troublemaker means speaking the truth, knowing it's difficult, but doing the hard things anyway. Number three, when we choose authenticity, that is when we belong because the people who are your people will see you. When you're in the room where you truly belong and you belong, that is harmony. Number four, conflict is a growth opportunity. Welcome conflict in because on the other side of it, you have an understanding of who this person is even more. Number five, we were not born to people, please. We were born to pursue purpose. Number six, none of us are supposed to be perfect. Giving yourself grace is probably the best gift that you can give to yourself. You can always do better tomorrow. Number seven, life is not just about you. It's about how you can use your power for the greater good. And number eight, you don't always have to get it right, but you're always worthy of love and grace. I can never say it enough, but I'm really so grateful that you're here, that you're here listening to this show. We have some amazing guests coming on, so please make sure that you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or you're following us on Spotify or wherever you're listening. And if you get something out of these episodes, it would mean so much to me if you would text the link to a friend or post about it in your Instagram stories. You can always tag me at kathy.heller. You can also tag Lovey. She's at L-U-V-V-I-E. I know that she'd be over the moon to see that you enjoyed this. And don't forget, if you want to come to my house for the next retreat in December, you can go to kathyheller.com slash Lux. What's included in that program is three delicious days with me. There's a private chef, there's breath work, there's a private dance class. We have a stylist coming in. You'll be getting professional photos taken and we will rewire your money and abundance mindset and you will leave here with clarity and full abundance consciousness as well as what is your next step to allowing yourself to get paid to do the highest and best work that you came here to do? It's pretty amazing what's happening. You can go to kathyheller.com slash Lux. And if you just want to do the Abundant Ever After program, that right now is on pre-sale and there's some amazing bonuses as well as a discount. And you can just take the Abundant Ever After online class portion if you go to kathyheller.com slash join. If you want information about either of those, you can come to my DMs on Instagram at kathy.heller. I'm happy to chat with you there. My team is happy to chat with you there. And if you are an alumni, you would definitely get a discount. So definitely reach out about that for special pricing. I love you so much. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.